Hello, and welcome to Wine, Weird and Wonder, a true crime and paranormal podcast. Each week, we start with a bit of wine, the combo gets a bit weird, and then we all begin to wonder what on earth is going on. We're your hosts. I'm Bobby. And I'm Rosie. Please be aware the stories we'll be sharing may cover content that some of our audience may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Bobby. Back by popular demand. We're here with episode five. Of Wine, Weird and Wonder. By popular demand, I mean all 11 of our <laughs> listeners on Spotify and all 74 of our listeners on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us. I'm loving the energy for this episode. <laughs> I don't know why we've started and we're like extremely hyperactive. We might be in a heavy decline. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Expect a crash in five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. <laughs> Watch, I'll say something miserable in one of our stories. Oh, yeah, you'll just be so bummed out. <laughs> Do you reckon it's easy to pick mm. up on? Hmm? Do you reckon it's easy to pick up on? What is? Our mood swings from one episode to the next. Oh, possibly, yeah. Um, What's new with you? Nothing really. I feel like I say that all the time. <laughs> Well, you've been on holiday from work. Yeah, so, I've had time yeah. off work. So, but you know that time that you have off work where you do nothing? Because I had to use the time up anyway. Yeah, that's nice. So I've literally done nothing. At first I was like, I'm bored. I don't know what to do with it. But it's actually quite nice just being bored and doing nothing. And then next next week I'm still off and then yeah. so I'll liven up a little bit. But for now, girl, I don't move. Nice. I mean, I can't really relate because every time I go on holiday, I over plan. Not over plan. I try and cram too much for But anywho, I've been obviously at work has been crazy, so we've been on opposite ends of the spectrum. So happy for the weekend. The dogs are fighting. Get down. They're calm now. For now. I'm not calm, clearly. Aside from work? There is no aside from work. It's consumed my entire being. And now it's Friday. Do you understand the elements I just faced? Got into the shop. I come back. I should have changed my trousers. They're soaking wet. My trainers are done. My bag was wet. Because I'm one of these people. I will take my oh bag well. to the corner shop. It is and what it is. And when I opened is. it, I, like, like, I kind of flicked water everywhere. I felt so bad. But yeah, it was needed. It was necessary. At least it's the weekend. At least it's the weekend. And now we can crack into our stories. Yes. Who's going first? You're going first. It's me and you. You. It's me. I'm excited. Because I've been thinking of the stories that we've had so far. And I'm just, and they're so different. Each of your stories are so different. I'm actually quite excited for this one. So whenever you're ready. Oh, I thought you meant between me and you. No, your ones. I've been trying to switch them up. Yeah, I've been trying to switch them up, but I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to find new stuff that people might not have heard. And every time I try to investigate, I'm finding it hard to find some like unknown cases. I'm just finding the really more famous ones. But I'll keep digging. I'll keep digging to bring you the good stuff. This story, I've done my notes. When did I do my notes? I've done them in advance. So 
bear with me because I'm going to read them like this might be the first time I'm reading (laughs) (laughs) that's fine we like it all organic so this is another UK based one it's called Busby's Stoop Chair sorry it's called Busby's Stoop Chair Chair (laughs) Chair Stoop Chair that you sit on yeah a chair Busby's Stoop Chair it's a it's a chair it's a cursed chair Oh, it's a cursed chair. Yeah, but it's called Busby's Stoop Chair. Okay, I'm intrigued. It's called, okay, it's the chair of death. It's the chair of death. Okay. Yeah. Do you understand that part? I understand that part for sure. Yeah. Fine. Right. I feel like I look like I should be sitting in that chair right now. <laughs> you look like an old lady in the retirement home. Ah, what wrinkles? No, the blankies. Oh, I was gonna. Well, say, you had it wrapped up to your neck. I was gonna say, girl, I've been using Doctor Seba retinol. <laughs> I should be looking like an old lady. Girl, I got my first lot of Botox. I'm good. <laughs> oh yeah. Recommend ten out of ten. Oh my goodness. Yes. But not gonna lie, my forehead is shiny. Anyway, enough about that. Back to my chair. Yes, back to the chair. Right, <laughs> the chair of death. It demands respect. So, this goes all the way back to 1702 in First, England, which is a small market town located near Sandton in North Yorkshire. There was a man called Thomas Busby, who was, he was known to be a bit of a thug, a thief, a bit of a drinker, you know, just like a shady criminal type. Mm-hmm. And he also owned a local inn. He then eventually gets married to a woman called Elizabeth, who's the daughter of a man called Daniel Alty. So Alty moved to, moved from Lees to buy a farm near the village of Kirby Whisk. I think that's how it's pronounced. W-I-S-K-E. W. It might be I-S-K-E. Whisk. I've heard of Kirby, but what? Is it Whisk or Whisk? Whisk. Anyway. Because there's no H. The father-in-law, yeah, wise. Well, the father-in-law moved from Leeds to there so he could buy um, a farm near the village. And the house, he called it Dunnity Hall. It was quite secluded and it made it the idle place for him to run his counterfeit coin business. So I think it's in the middle of nowhere. He's not going to get anyone sticking their nose in while he gets up to doing whatever he's doing, making these fake coins in his dodginess yeah making his dirty money yeah yeah basically um it was even rumored that he built a secret passageway from the cellar leading to a hidden chamber no. i mean i don't know what was in the chamber maybe some fake coins which isn't really actually like exciting if you discover it Imagine you find an ancient house, you're like, oh my god, you find this secret passageway to this chamber and you open it and you see all of these coins. You think, yes. Money. For them to all be fake. You think, yes, I've, I'm. Cost I've made of living it. who? I ain't got to worry about anything. <laughs> Cost of living who? That's it. Done. For you to take it to the jeweler for him to be like, no, this is what I am. Whatever they do. This is not real. You'd be like, oh. But yeah, so. He had this little thing going on there. Um, so the father-in-law and Thomas 
They became partners in crime and they started running the coin counterfeit business together. However, it said that they did not have a good relationship and often argued, mostly Busby being in a mood with Alti for whatever reason. So they didn't really get along, even though they were like mm. partners in crime. One day in particular, they'd had an argument. Uh, what it was over isn't really clear. And But some say it was about the business and other people say it was about Elizabeth, the daughter slash wife. Later that same day, Thomas came back to his inn, drunk, of course, and he found Alty sitting there in his chair. So Alty started to threaten that he was going to take Elizabeth home with him and in brackets I put, is she his property, please? <laughs> because... <laughs> it's the bracket. Is she? Is she... Does she belong to you, though? Does she look like a possession? That's literally what I put, because way back when, in them times, women were. So the dad was threatening to take her home. Thomas didn't like this, and he got even more angry about it, and then he got even more angry because Alty was sitting in his favourite chair. Oh, not the favourite chair. Alty refused to get out the chair, so Busby removed him and threw him out. Physically? Yeah. Oh. So, things got physical. Um, so that wasn't enough, and Busby, still fuming, later that evening, picked up a hammer, went over to Danny T. Hall, and bludgeoned him to death. Sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Picked up a hammer, went to his house, and bludgeoned him to death. I was like, just let that sink in. With a hammer? Yeah. So. Is this his girl's dad? He then tried to hide all his body in the woods. Yeah. He 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 killed his girl's dad. Yes. <gasps> so he picked him up out of the chair, threw him outside, but he was still mad. So later that day, still angry, he went and got a hammer, went to his house and bludgeoned him to death with the hammer. He then tried to hide all his body in the woods, but he didn't conceal him very well as they found his remains a few days later. Thomas, obviously being the number one suspect, was then arrested and trialled mm. for his father-in-law's murder. He was sent to death at York Assises? Assises? York Assises. That's really hard to say. But they're basically where court sessions are held to deal with like more serious criminal cases. Right. His punish was to be gibbeted. As in, like, gutted. No, gibbeted. No, I know, but I thought that was a word for like, you know, oh, I'm thinking of, uh, ignore me. I'm thinking of, what are they called inside the turkey? G- giblets. 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 You... How, can, how can you giblet someone who hasn't got them? <laughs> <laughs> what did I tell you about my brain? <laughs> So I said he was shooting to death by, by giblets. <laughs> by giblets. That you don't have. No, that sounds disgusting. No, gibbets. Okay, what does that mean? It means that you're hung from a gibbet, which is like a post, and his body dipped in tar, and his remains displayed on a stoop post attached to the gibbet in full view of his inn. 
The inn was soon after they renamed the Busby Stoop Inn. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I does it make laugh. sense now? Yeah, it makes sense, but I shouldn't laugh, but... Damn. Why are you laughing at how this man is... Because I can't help dying, it. ...being executed to death. Because why is he dipped in tar? Why is he dipped in tar? I was, oh, it was the 1700s. They've done these kind of things. Dipped in tar, though. A gibbet okay. is like... Okay, so I think a gibbet is like the cage thing. Yeah. Gibbet, a primitive form of gallows. It was a custom at one time, though not part of the legal sentence. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, a gibbet is any instrument of public execution. Um, it's a gallow-type structure from which the dead or dying bodies of criminals were hanged or publicly displayed. It's making me feel a bit nauseous. Do you know what? Let me show you. Show me. So can you see? This is yeah. the gibbet. So it's like... Awesome. They it's hang like you. Hangman. Well, yeah, that's what hangman is, Rosie. It's like they what hang you. What a weird you. game for children, by the way. Now, <laughs> sorry. What a weird game. We used to play hangman. <laughs> That is absurd. What a dark game. We used to play that in school. It is when you look at it like that. Okay, yeah, I can see it, yeah. Yeah, I think they probably should change it. His punishment was to be gibbied. I hung from a gibbet, his body dipped in tar, and his remains displayed on a stoop, which is the post, attached to the gibbet, in full view of his inn. Mm. The inn was then renamed Busby Stoop Inn because of this. Yeah. And then that was the name of the inn until it closed in 2012. So that explains that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The legend goes a few ways. One account is that he shouted the curse as he went past on his way to be executed. The other version is that he was granted a final wish to have a last drink at his inn and sit in his favourite chair. And when he left, he cursed the chair saying, Death to anyone who will sit in my favourite chair. Well, he must have loved that chair. That's how I feel when people touch... That's how I feel when people talk to me before my morning coffee. <laughs> so I can relate. Death to anyone. Like, don't look at me. Who speaks to me in the morning. Yeah. Don't talk to me before 11am. No, see, it's a real <laughs> thing, Bobby. I think my thing is, don't talk to me unless I talk to you. No matter what time Your thing is just don't breathe in your circumference. <laughs> that was just Yours is week. don't breathe don't breathe in my circumference. Mine is don't don't even talk to me before eleven AM. Caffeine involved or not, just don't. Mine is don't exist in my presence. <laughs> yeah. It's fine it's the weekend. It really is. Though. Um <laughs> so after he cursed the chair, his spirit was said to haunt the pub and where he was gibbeted, but the chair is most famous with it apparently being responsible for killing over 60 people. The chair. The chair killed 60 people. So as if serial killers weren't enough to worry about, now you've got to worry about chairs killing you. Sitting in a chair. That's wild. That's a lot of people for a chair to kill. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Cause of death, sat in a chair. Could you imagine that on your death certificate? No, thank you. How anticlimactic. 
Um, the first reported victim was of a chimney sweep who, along with his friend, sat in the chair whilst having a drink one evening in 1894. Uh, the sweep never made it home that night, being completely inebriated, and he lay down on the road to sleep. The next morning, his body was found hanging from the post next to the gibbet. His death was ruled as a suicide, but in 1914, the friend who the chimney sweep had spent his last hours with admitted on his deathbed to having robbed and murdered his friend. Mm-mm. Is that the chair or is that the friend? But That's the friend. She friend, if you ask me. During the Second World War, the pub became a popular drinking spot with RCAF airmen. They would goad each other into sitting into the chair, and apparently any that did never return from the war. So, mm. that's not nice either. So, so they don't die in the chair, they sit in the chair and then they die after. Yeah, so it's like, the curse right. is, if you so sit in my chair, you will them. die. Yeah. Right. In 1968, two airmen who both bit each other and sat in the chair... Then left late that evening, and on the way back to the airfield, they crashed their car into a tree and both died on the way to the hospital. Oh, bless them. These things could be coincidence. It could be, but there's more. Okay. Through the early 1970s, the chair seemed to claim a number of victims, including a cleaning lady who was diagnosed with brain tumour after knocking into the chair, a number of cyclists and motorcyclists who suffered fatal road accidents, a hitchhiker who was run over after having spent two nights at the pub and a local man who died of a heart attack shortly after sitting in the condemned chair. 1970s? Yeah. That's not that long ago. No. This chair's like over 300 years old. I know, but for the curse to still be going in the 70s. The curse is going strong. Maybe it feeds off its victims. Yeah. Look what I was talking about, you like... It has like this supernatural. Well, maybe it does. Um, it's alive. It's gonna eat your soul. That's sitting in the chair. I feel like we'd walk into the room and I'd be like, "Bobby, I'm getting bad vibes from that chair. Let's leave." I pick up on these things, you know. <laughs> I don't trust that chair over there. No, this isn't gonna end well. No, time to exit. But it seems a lot of people didn't believe it because the next story is the story of a group of builders who egged on the youngest of the group to sit in the chair. And after he did, they went back to the site and he fell through the roof onto the concrete below and died. Oh, wow. So it seems like after a lot of people joke about it and then actually sit in it or do these kind of things, they do actually die after. So should we be careful then? Because this was only in the 70s. Well, the chair's not there anymore, but I'll get into that. Okay. The final death came after a delivery man from the brewery went downstairs and sat in the chair. He then came up, so the landlord had put it away downstairs into the cellar. Mm-hmm. But obviously the delivery man went down there. He then came up, told the landlord named Tony Urshaw that it was too comfortable to be left downstairs. Mm. So he didn't know, surely. His van came off the road and he died after that. That's sad. A lot of road accidents. Yeah. Maybe the road and the chair, everything. Mm. After this, the landlord, Tony, he knew about the chair because he heard the airmen who died betting each other and he bought the pub a few years after that. So he decided enough was enough because he'd 
throughout time and throughout on the pub, obviously first on saw these events happen. Mm. Um, so he decided enough was enough, and just despite it being a tourist attraction, it was too unsafe. He donated the chair to the first museum in 1978. The museum actually have mounted the chair to a wall on display so that no one can accidentally sit on it. Right. And um, this is the chair I'm going to show it to you. You know what you think this chair? It's a wooden chair. What do you think it's going to be made of? I don't of? know why I expected. I expected a bit more. Rosie, it's a 300-year-old chair. I don't know what kind of lavish... I don't know what I was expecting. chair... Nice padded, comfy armchair you was thinking that was going to be in an inn. So this is out here killing multiple people. So this this chair, this raggedy chair is it's out here... It's not a raggedy chair back then. Think. It's antique. This raggedy chair... I don't even want to talk in case it haunts me. Is out here killing people left, right and centre. Yeah. That is wild. Would you? Would you sit in the chair? Would I sit in the chair? Absolutely yeah. not. You must be crazy. <laughs> Would you sit in the chair? How? Hell no. Why do I feel like you would? What do you mean? Depends how just to prove a point. If I knew about it beforehand, if I was just there and someone was like, if you sit in that chair, you're going to die, I'd be like, no, I'm not. If you had a bit of Ray Nephew in you, you'd be sitting in that chair. You'd be spinning around it. You'd be taking it home and decorating it in the corner of your room. <laughs> I'd be sanding <laughs> it down. I've got my oh, nice yeah. paint. You'll be doing something some sparkly glitter. I'll walk in and be like, is that the chair? I'm going, Bobby. I'm leaving the property. Bye. I'll be like, the chair's had a makeover. It's no longer the chair of death. Now it's the chair of life. I'm going to say, what did you do? Pray on it? Because if last time I checked, that that chair was out here killing people. Me and the chair had words. And now the soul of Thomas Bosby has departed from the chair the chair yeah. can just be a chair and you'll be getting sectioned because I'll be calling Oxley's mental institution well I'll probably be dead by then because the chair's <laughs> so you won't have to worry about any the of the chair that. gets his hands on you yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so yeah that's my story is that your Ooh. story that's interesting it wasn't a very long one but no but I feel like with that I mean, mine I try to keep short, but I think it is a bit long. Not too long. That's really... That's not bad. That's interesting. The killer chair. Okay. Well, everyone, thanks for that story, Bobby. Anything for you? Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to dive in with mine, which is very fitting. That's all I'm going to say. We won't expand on that. You'll get what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) Catch you in a minute. Welcome back. So, we're going to dive straight in to my story. To your fitting story. Yes. Okay. It's called Mm -hmm. The Creepy Caller forward slash stalker. Ew. Creepy. Ew. No, creepy creepy caller. Creepy caller. Caller, like ring, ring, creepy caller. 
<laughs> ring ring it's the creepy caller <laughs> caller uh, no that gives me the heebie jeebies the creepy caller no stop please because you're actually making me feel like you know you're like Ugh. am I giving you give am me I giving the... you chills yeah not chills heebie jeebies wait should I change my voice should I change my voice to make it more creepy <clears throat> no <laughs> today's story is no I can't make it creepy I don't have a creepy voice the creepy caller no no thank you <laughs> okay shall I dive in yeah please so Dorothy Jane Scott is our lady she lived an ordinary life okay she was a Christian woman a single mum um uh, she didn't take drugs, she didn't drink, she didn't smoke. She worked as a secretary for Swingers Head Shop. Okay. Which is? Apparently, on Google, because you asked me this and I Googled it. So because yeah, I don't know what it is. No, but this doesn't make any sense because she was such a nice Christian woman. But apparently, according to Google, a head shop is a retail outlet specialising in paraphernalia used for the consumption of cannabis and tobacco. So... Yeah, but she was a secretary. She didn't take the drugs. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. So... Okay. That was... That's Dorothy. That's Dorothy. She sounds nice. Sometime in early 1980, Dorothy began receiving distressing phone calls whilst at work. Oh, as if work isn't bad enough, right? Mmm... I sound like I hate my job. I don't hate my job. I just hate working. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a stalker might make you hate it a bit more. Yeah, exactly. Dorothy's stalker, when when he would call, Dorothy's stalker would recount intimate details from her daily routine. Who she'd spoken to, where she'd been, what she'd been doing, where she'd been with her son. At, yeah... No, thank you. At times, it's, made, it's uncomfortable, mm. to say the least. At times, her stalker would profess his love for her. Okay. In other calls, he was angry and vengeful. One time he called her, he told her to look out her window, look outside. He's, he's got a gift for her. No. Yeah. Bear in mind, she doesn't know who this is. Although there was a time when she said that the voice sounded familiar, but she couldn't pinpoint the voice. Yeah. Um, he told her to look outside because he had a gift for her. He left a dead rose on the windshield of her car while she was at work. A dead rose? A dead rose. No. No, thanks. Is that symbolic? Yeah. <laughs> okay. A dead rose. I mean... Uh, Why is it dead? <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I don't get. Trying to read between the lines here. I mean, like a dried rose, forever rose, but a dead rose. That's what I'm saying, read between the lines. Why is it dead? She called her mum and called Vera and confided in her. She said that she recognised the man's voice but couldn't place it. Then she received a call that really freaked her out. So he's called her again. Okay. And he said, quote, Okay now. You're going to come my way, and when I get you alone, I will cut you up into bits so no one will ever find you. Uh Uh-uh. Close quote. What the hell? Do you need that quote again, or did you get it? Like, I think I got it. 
he's gonna cut you up into little pieces okay now you are going to come my way and when i get you alone i will cut you up into bits so no one will ever find you how romantic she debated after this call getting a gun for self-defense yeah as you would um but then she opted against it and instead opted for karate classes for self-defense Lesser. Yeah, I would have gone for that gun though. At first, she didn't think much of the calls. No. No, she put it down to just like, I don't know why you wouldn't think much of those. It was a different time. Calls though. It was a different time. Yeah. People were less aware. Yeah, and you got to think. So, so in the, this time, I read that cell phones and things like that they weren't a thing so if a call was made there was it's like it'll be on like a landline or yeah exactly wet, something like that like or phone box or something yeah. so one night at work at a staff meeting dorothy noticed one of her co-workers looked ill Aww. she and another colleague drove the man to a nearby hospital the doctor said he had a, a nasty spider bite and needed a prescription, so he was bitten by a black widow spider. Oh. Yep. While the two co-workers were waiting for the prescription to be filed, Dorothy went out to the parking lot to get her car. Okay. It was the last time she was seen alive. What? <sighs> yeah, must... Dorothy dies. <gasps> but it's the last time she was ever seen? Ever seen alive. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Not last time ever seen. Last time ever seen alive. Oh. Oh. So she was seen again. Oh. Dorothy. I know. This person must have followed them to the hospital. This person must be sitting outside her work because they've left work early. This person doesn't have a job. <laughs> this person, she said, sounded familiar no, to her family, but scary. she could never place it. That's even more scary. And... I don't know how... I mean, she must just not have any fear in her bones to get those type of calls. Um, up until it got extreme is when she when she was like, I'm going to get some self-defence. Like, call number two, I'm buying a gun. If a gun's illegal, you know? <laughs> call number one, I'm like, come to my door now and I'm ready. <laughs> Shut it down quick. <laughs> Bobby, you're too self. You're like, come, come then. You're going to invite them. You're like, come in. Pan. We've talked about this. Any household <laughs> object. Yeah. Uh, whole bottle you can of wine. reach me at. You give, you'd be like, make sure, just make sure you say, sorry, uh, can you just confirm my postcode so I know where you are? So you know where to come. <laughs> That'll be you. I'll walk down the road, see you swinging. I'm no frills. This girl. Then you got me. Call number one, palpitations, panic attack, <laughs> breathing difficulties. <laughs> Cabri, Cabri, <laughs> stop it! Seriously, no, this is sad though. No, no, that's sad. That no, that is that that is scary. So what happened? That's to crazy. Her? Tell so, me. Her te- her co-workers testified that after she did not return, they went out to meet her in the parking lot. At that moment, they saw her car speeding away, so they assumed there was an emergency with her son. Yeah, because you'd be like, what the hell? However, she never returned... Yeah. She never returned home to her son, and no one ever heard from her again. So, someone else must have been driving her car, right? 
Because yeah. she would have stopped and her picked stalker, them up. Her stalker must have got the car and got in the car. So there's some evidence of foul play. At 5am the following morning, Dorothy's car was found burning in an alley 10 miles from the hospital. Okay. About a week after Dorothy's abduction, her mother Vera began receiving calls from her daughter's stalker um, asking, are you related to Dorothy Scott? The mum replied, yes. The stalker replied, I have her and hung up. Dorothy's family... Yeah, weirdo, weirdo. So they just found the car burning, not her. She's missing. Not her. And now this sick, sicko is ringing the poor mum. A week later, saying I have her. Dorothy's family informed the police of her stalker and the phone calls and threats she had received. The stalker makes another call. On June 12th, 1980, Pat Riley, editorial manager for the Santa Ana Register, I believe that's a newspaper, okay. received a phone call from a man claiming to have killed Dorothy. The caller said, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. I'm feeling highly uncomfortable. I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I mean, your head. Yeah. He's tapped. Yeah, I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. So when the police had spoke to... Her family and friends. She had no man, you know, as far as they were aware. And she she was very low-key. Her ex-partner, the father of her ch- son, was completely ruled out. Okay. Um, That he was ru- ruled out, not like not even a suspect. That's done. So this person genuinely... Is just unhinged. Is tapped. Just unhinged. Like, she's my love. She cheated on me. Bear it in mind now. She's prob- she probably couldn't even t- point you out in a lineup. Yeah. People, people are not well. They're not well. And it's scary. So, the caller then revealed clues that had been withheld from the public about the night Dorothy was abducted. Yeah. Who knew about Comrade Spiderbite. This has to be someone she worked with, surely. It sounds And the colour like of you. Dorothy's headscarf. Must be, right? The one she changed. Yeah, she changed her headscarf before she went to the hospital. So he he pointed out the fact that she had changed her headscarf. But then how would he know about the snake, uh, not snake, sorry, the spider bite? How would he know spider about the spider bite? Yeah. In such detail. Unless she secretly had a man. And that's why she never reported it. Because she... No, but this guy could have got it out of her. He could have been like, where was you? What were you doing with that guy in the hospital when he yeah. kidnapped her? And she'd have been like... That's my colleague. He got bit by a spider. That's why. So that's how this person probably knew about that. So we can't say that's why yeah. someone who worked with her because he could have got that information out of her, right? Yeah, true. Very true. For the next three years, Dorothy Stalker would call Dorothy's parents sporadically. The police tapped the phone, hoping that the location of Dorothy's abductor... Hope, sorry, hoping for the location of Dorothy's abductor, mm. but he never stayed on the line long enough. He now seemed to be stalking her parents. What the hell? He only ever called when Vera, that's Dorothy's mum, was home alone. Ooh. Ooh. Then one day, Sean Scott, which is Vera's partner, 
came home early and answered the phone and suddenly the calls stopped until the news Forever. that Dorothy's rem- until the news that Dorothy's remains had been found oh, no. and the calls started again. Oh. Is Dorothy home? He'd ask before hanging up, knowing that her remains had been found. Ugh. Saying like, so have you found her? Yeah. Ugh, this person. Yeah. They never changed their phone number, hoping that Dorothy's abductor would allow them to speak with their daughter. Mm. Imagine. Well, don't imagine, but it's horrible. That's so sad. I feel highly sick. Four years after her disappearance, on August the 6th, 1984, a partially charred adult human skeleton was discovered half a mile east of Eucalyptus Drive in northeast California. So they only found her skull? So... Uh, At this point? No, a, a partially charred adult human skeleton. Oh, skeleton, Not skull. Skeleton, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Lozer, a construction company foreman, stumbled upon the remains at around 7.15am as he and his crew ready to lay pipe for pack bell telephone lines. He discovered the bones minutes after joking, watch out for dead bodies. Oh no. Is it a joke though? I'm going to say that yeah, probably. This is where it's a bit weird. Okay. And it, it doesn't get expanded on either. The remains were lying next to the partial skeleton of a dog. Oh. It was first speculated uh, by Richard Rodriguez, Orange County Deputy Corner, that he or she, whoever's skeleton this is, may have been hiking with their dog when something befell them. Mm-hmm. Some, something fell on them. What, burned them? The cause... It says when something befell them. Oh, sorry. Okay. Fine. The cause of death was listed as questionable. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I would say so. This is where it gets even weirder. Okay. More and more. The remains were scattered over a 25-foot radius, which points to animal activity. Yeah. But if you dump a body, then an animal can come and pick bits up, right? Yeah. But where's the dog come from? Maybe this person. Why do people keep harming dogs? I don't know. In my stories. The burned nature of the bones occurred when a brush fire swept through the area in the fall of 1982. Oh, okay. This led them to believe that the bones had been at the site for over two years. So so this person didn't necessarily burn them, but they did chop her up and I don't know how long does it take for a body to decompose. So either way, her body was put there. It was either put there in parts that were scattered or an animal was come along and scattered them around. And then there was a fire, which is what happened where it was charred. But then was the dog in bits or was the dog all together? Because then... You said dog's bones. But I... I... He said to her, I'm going to chop you up. Do you remember? Yeah, and I guess the police will know if it's been through animal activity or if it's been... Yeah, and... Yeah. 
the the investigators sorry, collected a complete skull, two femurs, a pelvis, an arm, and dog bones. I mean, this person maybe had a dog and then they ended their dog and ended her. Condition of the remains. Right. You look highly uncomfortable. Are you okay? I'm unimpressed by this person. <laughs> by the story or the person? The person. And I want to know why the police didn't catch them. The bones were bleached white from the sun. But the skull was complete and contained a full set of teeth littered with fillings. Why is it littered with fillings, though? Maybe she had fillings. Don't you? Aren't you? I have feelings. If someone found my skull, they'd be like, rah, this girl. How many feelings do you have? When I went to the hospital to see her about my jaw, not my jaw, about like the braces thing. And I was like, oh yeah, we'll break up your jaw and do whatever, whatever. Cash. Yeah. And it's like a teaching hospital. So she got all the students around, was looking inside my mouth and then she was going, oh yeah. What's the phrase she used? Heavily reconstructed or some shit like that. As if say, I've got lots of feelings. I was thinking, all right, you don't need to say it more than three times. And I've got a lot, of feelings, a lot of feelings in the back. Yeah, at the front of fun. So don't judge. Maybe her skull was. I wasn't judging. <laughs> I just said, why have you got so many feelings? Because. So, where am I? So the. Rodriguez stated that the teeth would be run through the missing persons database in the hopes of identifying the body. Judy Succi, an anthropologist from Cal State Fullerton, was brought in to help ascertain the age and sex of the remains, which matched Dorothy's. But uh, other than that, they couldn't... I mean, she's, she's in pieces, but they, 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 they identified identify. her based on that. Okay. Yeah. Though people on the internet are still discussing the case today, no one was ever convicted or held in suspicion and the mystery caller was never found. That is so sickening. That's my story. Is that the end of it? Yeah. That is so sickening. How fucking tragic. You enjoying that, yeah? Mm. I see you eating that. Eating that date. <laughs> mm. Mm. I'm here. And I'm like, this person's sick. And you're like, mm, mm. <laughs> Good to know you can sleep at night after telling this story. But the thing is that they didn't have one suspect. Not one. Not one. There must have Sorry. been someone somewhere. How are you like, this person's sick and I'm here munching into a date with almond butter and crushed walnuts on top? Like, mm. Yeah. I know, I'm like, I am disgusted. And you say like, mm, yeah. Mm. Like water dripping out my mouth. Honestly. No, but it's true, it's disgusting. It's actually disgusting. And it just shows you like, people are tapped. The thing is, right, this person had information about her. Mm. Obviously, if you get a stalker, it's definitely someone that you have encountered before. But... I don't know how people got people's phone records back then because there was like phone books and things like Didn't that. Didn't they just have phone books? Yeah. So. Like yellow pages or if, something. Like, is it a stranger stranger? Could they easily access them? The fact that they didn't come up with one suspect, I think is really sad. 
Yeah, I think so too. I feel like it could have been someone that she just like ran into, you know, like you could run into in a coffee shop or they get your name somehow. But like, how weird. Like, privacy, what is wrong with people? T- Isn't it weird how people just fixate on people? The thing is, they kidnapped her in broad daylight. As in strangers. But strangers. Yeah, this person was mentally not well. Yeah, like you look at someone in the street that you've probably never even had a conversation with, right? And you fixate on them. And you're like, oh my goodness. And you create this whole thing in your head. Like, I know people are tapped in the head. Trust me, I know people are tapped in the head. No, I know. Isn't it scary? I think the human brain is so interesting and so scary. I would love to tap in temporarily to see what goes through these people's heads to make them actually believe their own... Their own narrative that they've created. Are they fantasies? Yeah, their own narratives, yeah. Because it's weird, no? Yeah, it is weird, but... That's my story. She had kids as well, so... Sad too. She had a son, yeah. To this day, to this day, it's unsolved. I feel unsatisfied by the ending. yeah. I thought you might. Give me an answer next week, please. <laughs> I will. But I thought it was very different. It was. Because I, I haven't done an unsolved one before. No. We're only five episodes in, though. Yeah. And I haven't done a stalker one. So. But we do want people's listener stories. Yes. So send your listener stories. Share us. Give us some good stuff that we won't find on the internet. Yeah. Cool. That's it from me. Anything you want to add? No. That's it. Stay weird. Drink wine. Stay wondering. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Adios. Bye.